The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Nah, 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 come on! On this episode of The Heat Check... KD for Jalen Brown and some picks and some random scrubs? Yes, please. I need it. We get into the details of the proposed trade. We break down what I consider to be the biggest thing facing the Warriors dynasty, which is called the Joe Lacob tax. What that means for the Golden State Warriors moving forward. And I also talk about something that's kind of fun to talk about in the offseason, which is a fun little deep dive on OKC's recent hire and why that could mean danger, danger for the rest of the league. Nothing better, nothing hotter than the NBA offseason, Brock. So do me a favor and drop that motherfucker beat. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam, it's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. Before we get started into the news, I want to discuss just like a little story time. Uh, I'm a lover of hoops, as you know, all hoops. Men's hoops, women's hoops, pro hoops, college hoops, high school hoops, all the hoops. I even went, when I was living here the last time around, I even went to my former editor's uh, little girl's fourth grade basketball tournament. And I was in there. I am about this life. So I went to, I was in New York last weekend, and I went to the Liberty game at Barclay Center against the Chicago Sky. I was like super pumped. You guys already know, I've talked about this on Twitter before. Han Chu, 6'10 center out of China, has a 30-foot range, kind of Chet Holmgren-esque, very skinny, uh, has footwork like Brittany Griner, but probably better than Brittany Griner, and she's only like 22 years old. So I was there to see her. I was there to see Sabrina Ionescu from Oregon. I was there to see, of course, Candace Parker, the GOAT, right? So I'm there. I'm having fun. I'm parlaying. I got pretty decent seats, which I paid handsomely for. Uh, did not get them for free, no free shout outs. So yeah, I don't, did not, nobody was offering that to me. But I really was interested in kind of just seeing the atmosphere of this game. But that's not 
really why I'm bringing this up. I was enjoying my time, and sitting behind me was a father with two young daughters and their friend. Probably a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and the eight-year-old's friend. So he taps me on the shoulder, and the dad's like, hey, heat check. And I go, what? And he goes, and he shows me, pulls out his phone, and he shows me that he has subscribed to the heat check. And he shows me he's listened. It's like, check, check, check. He's like, I'm a real fan. And the daughter goes, the daughter, the eight-year-old one, she goes, I know you. I know you from TikTok. And I'm like, oh, God, I say the F word a lot. I don't know that this is for TikTok six-year-old consumption. And I'm like, what's your name, little girl? And the girl's like, I'm Gabby. My, I'm like, oh, what's your name to the sister? Oh, I'm Olivia. And then the one that was in the middle, two little mixed girls, their sisters, and um, mixed father, and little little girl that looked like strawberry shortcake in the middle of them all. And I go, what's your name? And before that girl got her name out, the older girl goes, she gives me the, the cut it at the neck symbol. And, sends, and just like, she cuts it at the neck and shakes her head like no, squinting her eyebrows, squinting her lips. And she whispers sort of, you don't need to know her name. She's not my sister. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I know that's not your sister. And she goes, well, why, why do you know that? And I go, she's white. This girl looks nothing like this family. Her name, by the way, was Kaylee. Kaylee was there. And there's just nothing better than like a family full of hoopers, girl hoopers specifically. And the best part was like, we were leading a revolution, right? We were rooting for Honshu. But also, we were like, the refs were just in their bag, right? They were really trying to make a name for themselves that night. They were calling everything. And the little six-year-old, I believe it was Gabby. Gabby's like, let them play, ref! Six years old. Let them play! And I'm like, yeah, fucking right. Oh, sorry, Gabby. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell that story and say to Ed, to you and your girls, Hopefully you listen to this episode. I told you I would give you a shout out. You told me you would give me a shout out wherever you work. So I hope you did that. I hope that I hope that uh, that that little uh, what is that called? The little um, ah, there's like a name for it where it's like a where you switch. You know, like I do this for you, you do this for me. I'm not with it today. I don't have my words. Anyway, I hope that little that little bargain that we had between each other. Uh, worked out so if you work at a construction company or whatever I hope you played the heat check on blast like I hope that's what that what happened let's move on to the news though as we start just like any other podcast in the last two years we have to start in Brooklyn don't we the news around the league the past week is that Kevin Durant is headed to Boston, or that there are rumors that the Boston Celtics have offered, this is, part is crucial, they have offered Jalen Brown to the Nets in exchange for others as well. In, also, Jalen Brown plus others plus picks. Jalen Brown is the centerpiece of this proposed, proposed from Boston side trade. Jalen Brown, Derek White, multiple picks. The Nets have apparently rejected this pick this this offer because it's the moon and the stars and the earth and the wind is is only required for our man Sean Marks GM of the Nets 
And we can thank Rudy Gobert again for bad things happening in our world of NBA. Because if it wasn't for Rudy, this deal probably would have been done. The internet, of course, freaks out over this. But to me, the move makes sense for both teams, right? The Nets, of course, are adamant about getting an all-star back in return for their package for Durant. And for the Celtics, coming off of the finals run, facing a very uncertain Eastern Conference where you could have gone to the finals and may never be back like the Toronto Raptors. Your window might be open and then it might be shut because the Bucks are here. They got Joe Ingles <laughs> to help them in their title run. Of course, that's a piece on top of Chris Middleton, on top of Drew Holiday, on top of, oh, I don't know, his name's Giannis Antetokounmpo. They also, very huge transaction I forgot to mention. Uh, the Bucks recently this week have signed the fourth onto Tukumpo. So the dynasty is complete. All five stone, all four stones to the Thanos glove are intact. All the Antetokounmpo's will be sharing one hotel room together on the road. It's going to be tremendous. So you can expect more Antetokounmpo's putting their, slapping their hands on the court, being amazing role players as Giannis continues his dominance. So that's happening. The Raptors are getting better with Scotty Barnes leading them the way. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers, by the way, that were the one seed for most of the year until Ricky Rubio got injured. They have a million seven-footers on that team, and they have a plethora of guards. They're not going away. I think they're getting better. If the Chicago Bulls get healthy and they take another step with Dale and Terry as their point guard of the future, maybe they move on from Kobe White. Maybe they figure out a way to get Colin Sexton. They are taking another step. We've got, obviously, Miami isn't going anywhere. Philadelphia makes a move with P.J. Tucker and Daniel House running it back like the Houston Rockets of 2016, which I think is tremendous for a lot of reasons. They need to go out and get Eric Gordon as well. So if you are the Celtics, you make this move, right? You have to. Because if you can get Kevin Durant and make sure this window is as wide open as you can stretch your little arms, or your long arms if you're Robert Williams, as long as you can stretch your wingspan out, that's what you do. You must do. The Celtics throwing the dice on Kevin Durant is a win-now move, especially considering the fact that Jalen Brown is needing to be extended in two years. You've already floated his name out there in trade talks. How does he feel about that? If that deal doesn't get done, maybe that's a poisonous little pill that you made for your own self in your own little cup and drink. I told you I don't have it today. I, I, like, I know I would possibly be salty if my name was thrown out in a trade rumor and it didn't end up getting, ha- getting done. And it's like, well, you didn't think I... You didn't think I was enough? Uh, I only outperformed Jason Tatum pretty much every single game of the finals. Why not throw Tatum's name out there? Why not him? He was the one who wasn't any good in the finals. Come see, come saw, right? Jalen walks to the beat of his own drum, so I'm not sure if he actually feels that way. Still, very bold move from the Celtics. I love it. The thought to me of Tatum and Kevin Durant together... Can anyone stop those wings? You've then got Marcus Smart still. you still got my man Malcolm Brogdon when healthy, if healthy. You've got Rob Williams, who's an absolute baller. He's only going to get better. You still have role players on this squad. I mean, we've seen super teams before. But I don't know if two front court scorers like this can be stopped. No double teaming either, especially with the lob threat there 
in Rob Williams could be an absolute bloodbath. They immediately become the top team in the East if it's Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Rob Williams, Al Horford, Grant Williams. Like Peyton Pritchard. What? Come on. So, oh, and by the way, the Hawks got better with DeJounte Murray. The East is stacked. Listen, stacked. Keep in mind, though, that this news broke after Shams and Woj reported that it was getting more and more solid that Kevin Durant was going to stay in Brooklyn. So the Celtics were like, "Mm, let's just try to put our pieces there because we know they don't want that. That's not an ideal scenario. You don't want to have a player on your team who's disgruntled, who's asked for a trade, and you did not give him said trade. And, of course, KD is busy tweeting about hypothetical matchups between different eras because why not? Still not backing away from that trade request. Still continuing to stand firm in that. And the Nets cannot settle for less because Rudy Gobert and Danny Ainge and the Jazz move makes anything less look really bad. Even though that was a fleecing. Everyone around the league knows it's a fleecing. Does it make Minnesota a lot better? Of course it does, but still, it's a shitload of picks. If I'm the, K- if I'm the Celtics, 1,000% I do this trade. 1,000%. I don't care that Kevin Durant is older. I don't care that Jalen Brown is a young star. If you can keep one ball handler alongside Tatum and KD, you are the team to beat. On top of the fact, you don't have to have Marcus Smart as your primary ball handler anymore because we know that Kevin Durant does this. He does this every day, all day, in crunch time. We've seen him do that for the last decade with Oklahoma City. Even was the ball handler, primary ball handler, at times with Golden State. Was the primary ball handler at times with the Brooklyn Nets. Even last uh, playoffs when they got swept to the Boston Celtics, he was the primary ball handler. That was the whole point that he was getting double teamed because he always had the ball in his hand. He had to go off ball and that created all kinds of issues. That's been his role. And it immediately, like I said, makes the Celtics the team to beat. Plus, all those picks don't matter. You're talking about if you get four first round picks for Kevin Durant. Who cares? Like, this is, you got young studs. Tatum is in his 20s. As long as Tatum's there, those first round picks are going to be in the late 20s. You're not going to have any lottery picks. What are you talking about? So do it. Make it so, basketball gods. Make it. When you're a billionaire, it's just not it, right? It's not a thing. It's not a thing when your sole focus is to just put together the best team on the planet to win and demolish. It's not a thing, right? In, in Major League Baseball, there's this thing that's now called the Steve Cohen tax. It's a repeater tax when you overpay players to stop you from doing that, Right? It's a line specifically made for guys like Steve Cohen, these billionaires. All they care about is putting together whatever roster it takes to win multiple championships. Win one, win multiple, win them all if you can, right? If you're a fan of that team, you love that guy. If you're a fan of any other team, you fucking can't stand him. Cohen is like George Steinbrenner on steroids, right? And everyone hated Steinbrenner back in the day. And in the NBA, there's a couple of guys like that. One, obviously, is Steve Ballmer, new owner of the L.A. Clippers. But the guy who made it fashionable is Joe Lacob. So the luxury tax in the NBA might as well be called the Joe Lacob tax. Because without it, Joe Lacob would spend... 
he would spend a lot. He would spend happily doing whatever it takes to keep his veterans fat and happy, max out the young guys as well, continue to find ways to fleece other teams around the league and then pay those guys, developing that second timeline of guys. We're not sure if they're going to work out, but it doesn't really matter because everybody else is taken care of. So they can take the torch when Steph retires and then winning can continue with no hiccups, no stopping, just dominance. And nobody is more aware of the luxury tax and the Joe Lacob tax than Joe Lacob. Really quick, before we get into these recent comments that he made to Andre Iguodala on the Point Forward podcast with Evan Turner, former Blazer who wrecked our franchise. um, Just a little aside there. I just want to say this. If you're not aware, let me say it very clearly. Joe Lacob wants to mow the rest of the league down. He doesn't want to just compete. He wants to annihilate them. And that does not go without saying, because there's other owners that have other goals other than demolishment and domination and stepping on your neck and curb stomping you until you, you say to them, we surrender, right? He wants the world to hate the Warriors because they just continue to win, win 75, 80 games, the 79 and 3, and they, and they lied, Warriors team. And then what do they do? They went and got KD. It doesn't matter how many games they win. They want to win them all. That's what the Steinbrenners in the, in the 90s did with the Yankees, right? It's, you were shocked every time they lost. That's how dominant they were. That is his goal. That's even the losses on a random Tuesday night. Shocking. He wants that to never happen. He wants, it's not good enough to be a contender. He wants to be an indefinite dynasty. And if he could, he would spend to make that happen, right? He drafts well. He can get top top free agents like Kevin Durant. When they leave, he flips them for other guys that end up turning into Andrew Wiggins, who outperforms because he's got no pressure because they're already on a dynasty. The Warriors would be a cheat code if the NBA did not allow this type of fuckery. Larry Kuhn, one of the godfathers of the collective bargaining agreement, defined the luxury tax as this. If you are confused as to how it works, it's very confusing. Teams with a salary exceeding a predetermined tax level pay a penalty. For each dollar, their team salary exceeds the tax level. If you go over the luxury tax more than one year in a row, you end up having to pay a higher tax rate on those salaries moving forward. It can actually be up to almost an additional $4 for every dollar that you spend on a player's salary. Yes, so if you pay a guy $10 million, that player ends up making 50 10 plus, four, 10 plus 40, 50. That's fucking crazy. And that's how the Warriors ended up play, paying $84 million in one year for Kelly Oubre, who had a salary of $14 million in 2020, 2021, because his lux- their luxury bill went from $66 million to $134 million just by signing him. So, of course, Joe Lacob hates this, right? He hates it. He recently went on the Point Forward podcast, and we're getting to this place. I want to kind of set up how Joe Lacob is thinking about this in terms of where the the Warriors move going forward. This is what he told Andre Iguodala in terms of the luxury tax. 
So I, how can I be, uh, you know, upset if if I, that salary cap thing is is tough and you know uh, the hardest thing of all is the navigating this luxury tax. Unfortunately, yeah, yes. No, we're really people. I went back to New York this week for labor meetings. Mm-hmm. I want to make and you know, obviously the league wants everyone to have a chance. And right now, there's a certain element out there that believe, well, we quote checkbook win. You know, we won the. That's a shout out, Winhorst. We have the most salaries on our team. Right. Where truth is, we're only about forty million more than you know than the the luxury. Now that's not small, but it's not a massive number. We're yeah. two hundred million over in total, though, because the all the most of that is this incredibly penal luxury tax. And what I consider to be very unfair, and I'm going to say it on this podcast, and I hope it gets back to whoever was listening. <laughs> it did. I think it's an. Un, I mean, it's and obviously it's self-serving for me to say this. But I think it's a very unfair system because our team is built by all eight top eight players are all drafted by this. That's not true, actually. Andrew Wiggins was not drafted by you, but keep going. Yeah, all burn right. rights. Right, right, and we have three other guys that were undrafted, and we found and developed in Santa Cruz. Okay, we have not one free agent that isn't a minimum. Right, not one. All minimums. The guys we brought in this year. So the only guy that you could. You know, make a case for us being spending, outspending the competition, not being fair, is that we turned the Durant leaving into one guy that turned into Wiggins, yeah. and 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 that worked out great. But you know, a little bit later, he says this. Going forward, we all that's it. Want to you know have our future generations be helpless? You know, going forward with the franchise. So Andre Iguodala asked him, "What are your goals?" For yourself, personally, and for the franchise. His response was telling. I've made enough money, so my goals are not about money. Some people run to make more money. Yeah, we all like making money. We want to live comfortably. want to you know, have our future generations be helped. But the truth of the matter is I'm about only one thing my rest of my life, and that's winning and winning championships. It's I'm- Pause. Is that not absolutely terrifying that this billionaire's only has one goal and it's just destroying the rest of the league? Keep going. Maniacal? It's all I care about. That's I, it. I'm maniacal? We've done really well. We've won four in eight years, which is incredible. We made six finals in 12 years, mm-hmm. which, by the way, there was somebody else that did this as an owner, Jerry Bust. I look up to him. 33 years of ownership, 16 finals. Wow. That is telling, right? Obviously, these comments got back to the league just like Joe Lacob wanted them to. He gets fined $500,000 for critical comments uh, about the league. Do you think, after hearing him say that his sole focus is on nothing but destroying the rest of the league for the rest of his natural life, that he wants to win a championship every other year until he dies, do you think he gives a fuck about that $500,000? Absolutely not. Frankly, if you want to get real scared about the future of the league, I met his son uh, at Summer League, who was sitting baseline courtside as well. He runs the G League, Kent Lacob. How old do you think he is? Do you think he's so Joe Lacob, 66? Kent Lacob, he's got to be what, like 40, 40 something? He probably has 40 years of his natural life to go. So if this thing goes out until his son dies, no. Kent Lacob is 26 years old. So the Warriors, if they have it their way, literally, Kent Lacob is younger than players on the Warriors roster. 
They are going, their sole focus is to mow the rest of the league down for the next 50 years, possibly. With technology and money that billionaires can do with cryogenics and all kinds of new genics and histrionics, we're talking about another 200 years of dominance here. We're talking about the Roman Empire of the NBA is what they want. That shit is insane. Anyway, even tech billionaires have their limits. Apparently that limit is well under the $564 million that the Warriors would have to pay in salaries and tax penalties to sign every single one, every single player who wants an extension to a max deal. You're talking about Wiggins, you're talking about Draymond, you're talking about Clay, you're talking about Poole. Four guys. Joe Lacob did an interview with Tim Kawakami on The Athletic recently, and it gave me some pause. And it made me think, okay, what's the best solution here? Because there are caps to this. He said, I'm going to tell you, Tim, your numbers about our roster are pretty messed up. You're throwing around numbers like $400 million, $500 million total. Those numbers are not even remotely possible. They're just not. The number, apparently, in ter- terms of what Joe Lacob is willing to pay, because there's decisions to be made, players that need to be extended, the number is apparently under $400 million. Keep in mind, they're at around 364 right now. So they want to keep it around there. For players that are eligible for extensions starting next week, Draymond Green, his extension eligibility starts next week. As we know, Draymond Green wants a max deal, says that he deserves a max deal. Someone's going to have to take a pay cut, folks, in order to keep it under 400 milli. Draymond. My man, I've seen it on Twitter. People say that everyone in the core is going to have to take a pay cut. Draymond does not seem interested in taking a pay cut. Draymond Green is represented by Clutch Sports, which is Rich Paul. Do you think Rich Paul is interested in his players taking a pay cut, which means he's taking a pay cut? Do you think Rich Paul is interested in helping the Warriors dominate while LeBron James is still there? No! Absolutely fucking not! Draymond Green recently told Marcus Thompson of The Athletic that he wants and deserves a max and said that if the dubs don't offer that, he is willing, quote-unquote, to explore his outside options to get the kind of contract he wants. Ruh-roh. Ruh-roh. i tell you what, Draymond's an important piece, folks. Really quick. Remember, you might say, oh, Draymond, you're so greedy. Draymond, Draymond, do it for the team, Draymond. By the way, it's a while ago. It's seven years ago, by the way. So maybe you forgot. Draymond Green took a pay cut on his own in 2015 so that the Warriors could sign Kevin Durant. That's what he decided he wanted to do to make this team win more championships. And then, because of the way that the CBA works, when he got his quote-unquote max deal in 2019... It was essentially a pay cut, again, because the CBA stipulates that your max, the first year of that said max, can only be 120% of your last year's contract. So if you take less and significantly less, then your next contract is also going to be less, which means the next next contract is also less. And Draymond's like, fuck that! Yo, that 2015 is coming back to bite me. You need to learn your CBA, my guy. You need to learn more details into the CBA. A lot of people saying Draymond didn't play well in the playoffs. He's not really worth it. Let him leave. He was a defensive player of the year candidate before he got injured. He probably would have won it. He is multiple-time all-star, multiple-time defensive player of the year candidate. 
multiple All-NBA player, first ballot Hall of Famer, and probably no Warriors team exists in this way without him. You have, you have Kevon, Kevon Looney in instead of Draymond. In some matchups, that shit is night-night sleep mask for you. And I think probably the Memphis series is one of them. Got to pay him. Got to figure that out. Who else isn't taking a pay cut? Well, uh, let me play a little something that I found out on... Let me find it. Oh, do I not have it? Here it is. What we know is that my man Jordan Poole... My man Jordan Poole and our man Andrew Wiggins not taking pay cuts right after. I'm talking literally seconds. Champagne still in the eyeballs. Goggles still on their face. They're talking to one another. Poole, Wiggins. Hey, yes, hey, we can do that. You are going to You are you about to get a bag. You about to get a bag. You about to get a bag. We about to get a bag. We about to get a bag. Uh, I don't think Joe Lacob wants to pay you guys the bag. So now would be the time to let these guys know that's not how the Warriors roll. So they don't want to take a pay cut either, right? But Lacob said very clearly, at least in the short term, no one is getting the bag. Doesn't matter that you just want a championship. I don't care. My own. What did I tell you guys? My only goal on this earth is winning. If that means underpaying you or letting you test the market and finding another player who I can plug and play, in my opinion, just as I can do with you, because I'm spending every moment of my life watching film, because again, my only goal in life is to win, then I will do that, sir. I do not care, Andrew Wiggins, that you were the second best player on a championship team. You're making $30 million now. You're going to make thirty less than $30 million in the next deal. So if you think you're getting a bag, you're all, your bag days are gone, sir. You already got the bag. You already got it. This is what he said, Joe Lacob. We think we're going to have a great team this year. But by next summer, we're going to be faced with more issues with respect to the cap and luxury tax and all that. We'll just have to see how this goes. It's sort of a year-to-year thing. We'll see how everybody plays. Let's see if we're contending again. We think we will. Let's see if we're going to win again. That certainly extends what we're able to do if we do. If we don't. We have to rethink things a little bit. Again, a man whose sole focus is winning and at all costs. Does that sound like someone's getting paid this offseason? No. That is going to have ripple effects because you've got multiple players on this roster who just came off of great performances in the postseason off of a championship run in a year that no one expected. This is the time that people expect to be paid to the victor goes the spoils and not for you guys. That's nor- this is normally the time guys get paid. But I have a solution, and this is kind of where the end all be all. There's only, the longer you think about this, there's only one decision that can be made. Draymond's not picking, taking the fucking pay cut. We know that. He's not going to. He already did, and then he did again. Now you're going to have to overpay Draymond, quote-unquote, overpay, into his 30s. You know why? Because he's a champion, and he's a vocal leader, and that's what he does, and he makes Steph Curry very comfortable. And he helps with the spacing, and he's a point forward, and that's his job, and he's basically created that role in the NBA. He is the blueprint. you got to pay him. Have to. you got to pay Andrew Wiggins. Have to. Unless you're going to trade for Kevin Durant, which you're not, you got to pay him too. Jordan Poole? I don't know. Feels like you got to pay him as well. 
Probably $25 million. Probably $27 million. Okay. So if you don't want to get into the 500 millions, which we're talking about this being, if this math starts mathing, <laughs> Clay Thompson's got to take a veteran minimum. That's it. It's the only way this works. And before you say, oh, Clay Thompson, he's a champion. He helps Steph Curry. He's one of the best three-point shooters of all time, one of the best 3 and D players of all time. Listen, Clay Thompson has been making $40 million a year rehabbing his body, playing zero games. In the last three years, Clay Thompson has played a collective 32 games out of a total of 214 possible games. My man got a five-year, $190 million extension, a.k.a. the bag, after my man tore his ACL. After he tore that ACL. Then he tore that Achilles the following season. I tell you what, it feels like a guy should have some loyalty to a team that decided to give him max money when he was completely broken and unaware of how he would heal. This is tough sledding. Clay Thompson is the guy. Clay Thompson has also given up all of his leverage by telling Draymond Green on Draymond Green's podcast, probably not the smartest thing in the world, I will never play for another team. And on top of never playing for another team, I will never play for another coach other than Steve Kerr. So he's not testing the waters. Clay, my man, you've been making $43 million a year. You've played some great basketball. And you've also sat out a lot. Rehabbed your body. We paid you 40-something million dollars. And that put us in a tough spot. And as a result, we're going to need you to do what it takes to put us in a better spot, which is to keep this thing rolling. As time goes on, we're going to have to pay Poole. We're going to have to play Draymond. We're going to have to pay Wiggins. Of course, at some point, we're going to have to extend Steph again in a couple of years. We're going to need you to sign a... Whatever's left. Whatever's left. Whatever gets us under the $399 million luxury tax and payroll line, that's what you get. What's the veteran minimum? It's $1,004,000. We're going to need you to take $1,004,000 for the next five years. It's a so Clay Thompson signs a four-year, five million, five and a half million dollar deal. That's the only solution I see. Or Lakeham says, "Fuck it." Five hundred million ain't nothing but a number. Those are the only solutions that exist, and I can't wait to see what the Warriors do. One of the interesting things about the offseason is there are small moves that take don't really take the attention of the public because we're all focused on trade deadlines. We're all focused on where Kevin Durant's going to do. We're, we're all focused on the Summer League. But let's talk about Chip England for a second. Chip England, maybe not a household name, but widely considered one of the best assistant coaches in the NBA. Shot guru for Greg Popovich in San Antonio for the last 17 years helping everyone from veterans like Tim Duncan, Richard Jefferson, to Tony Parker, Kawhi, DeJounte Murray. His skills as a shot doctor make him one of the highest paid assistants in the league. My man Chip England probably didn't want to 
be doctoring te- players that this team doesn't want to win. Like, you're just going to be rocking with Jakob Pertle and Keldon Johnson. He's like, fuck that, I'm out. Couldn't find a new agreement on a contract. It's like, why are we paying you, Chip England? We don't care about winning right now. He's now been hired by the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yep. Doing pretty much the same thing for them. And let's face it, no team can use a shot makeover more than Shea Gildress-Alexander and Josh Giddy, one of the worst high-volume three-point shooters in the NBA. Shea shot 30% from three. And you say to yourself, no way a star player can shoot any worse than that from three. A Giddy was somehow worse, shooting just 26% from three. Even a 5% from each one of those makes the Thunder a dangerous shooting team. And add in working with Chet Holmgren, who's already shooting 39% from three in college, and damn, this could be a home run deal for Sam Presti. So let's kind of give a little context into who he is, where he comes from. He got hired by the Detroit Pistons in 1999 as their shot doctor. He's been in the league a long time. The team improved its shooting by a full two percentage points the next year, from 44 to 46%. The team improved from 29 wins to 42 wins that year. If you don't think that's a big deal, consider that this past season, teams shot on average 88 times a game from deep. That is, that 2% is the equivalent of an extra 1.75 shots made per game, 3.5 points to your total. Oklahoma City lost 10 games last year by four or fewer points. Just saying. So if you think this is some kind of fluke, in 2003, England went to the Nuggets. The the year before, they shot a 41% total, period. Not just from deep, total. And they won just 17, I just needed to be said, 17 total games. His first year in Denver, they shot 44% from, from the field and won 43 games. They shot 46% in the second year and won 49 games, after which he got snatched up real quick by Greg Popovich. The Spurs shot 45.3% in 2004, then Chip England arrived. In his first season working with the Spurs, the team shot a 47.2%, another improvement of, you guessed it, right around 2%. And a great Spurs team improved by four wins from 59 to 63, and they also won a championship that year, as an aside. Pop credits Chip England with not only teaching Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker how to shoot, but also for the fact that the Spurs were one of the best free throw shooting teams in the NBA during his 17 years in San Antonio. Way back in 2010, Trailblazers assistant GM Bill Branch, friend of show, said this about Chip. A lot of us call Chip the shot whisperer. He's great with shot mechanics, but his secret is building confidence of everyone he works with. Probably Brooklyn should have hired him for Ben Simmons. There's nobody better at that aspect of confidence. And this was after he turned Kawhi Leonard in just a year after a non-existent three-point shooter to a lethal killer. Kawhi said at this time, Chip changed my shot, but not too much. I had good shooting for him, but he brought my release a little lower. He helped my follow through. There were just little uh, adjustments that Chip had seen. I just believed in it and worked on it from there. Bill Barnwell solidified Chip's legend in 2014 with a massive deep dive on the gone but not forgotten Grantland website called The Shot Doctor. Fun fact, he became a legend playing pro ball in the Philippines. 
helped fix Steve Kerr's shot in 1993, and he also dated Jeannie Buss. Kerr likes him so much. Yeah, who didn't? Uh, Kerr likes him so much, he tried to hire him away from Pop back then. Could have been an awesome hire this year for the Warriors. But again, that shit costs. England's nickname when he was a player at Duke was the machine gun because he shot so quickly and his form was so smooth, he shot 55% from three his senior year. Man, if he can do what he did in San Antonio and Detroit for OKC... Yo, this team could be lethal because with Shea and Giddy being deep machine guns, OKC could be more than just a spoiler this year. They could actually become a fucking contender. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We'll be back next week. We're doing once a week during the offseason with more of recapping what's popping. So follow us as we get you ready for the start of the season and training camp. Do not forget to download, subscribe. Please tell your friends, every single one of them. And follow us on social at This Tea Check and Trista Crick on TikTok.